Welcome to Thrive Church. We are so happy to have you here with us today. My name is Judah, and I'm the lead pastor here at Thrive, and we welcome you to all of our campuses, New Britain, Terryville, Torrington, also those who watch online or on TV. We welcome you, and we are starting a new series this week called Unpredictable, Unpredictable. And throughout this series, we're going to be exploring the theme of God's unexpected workings in this world, how God will often do things that seem very unpredictable, especially to us. We're also going to be looking at a variety of different uh, messianic prophecies. And what this is, is prophecies in the Old Testament that told of a Messiah. Jesus came and he fulfilled so many prophecies. So we're going to be taking a look at some of those as we are kind of entering this season of remembering the birth of Jesus. But we're going to be looking specifically at the unpredictable ways that God works in our lives and how God works in us and through us. And it's often done in an unpredictable way. So we're going to start with a, with a character from the Bible who kind of set the stage for the greatest story ever told. To who set the stage for the story of, of the birth of Jesus Christ. And it's from his own relative, John the Baptist. John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. Some people say John the Baptist and, and think that he's like, you know, from a Baptist church down the road or something like that. It, it wasn't talking of a, a denomination. He was simply called John the Baptist because he baptized people into following uh, the way, the truth, and the life as they were expecting the Messiah to come. <clears throat> we see that he was prophesied about in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Now Malachi was written around 400 years before Jesus came on the scene. So this is 400 years earlier. These writings came out, and it says, Look, I am sending my messenger. A messenger. Somebody sent to deliver a message. I'm sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you're seeking will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. This is a prophecy, a prophecy of a messenger who would come to prepare the way for the Messiah. God sent a messenger before he sent the Messiah. And John the Baptist was the one who was the fulfillment of this prophecy. 400 years later, John was born to parents who were unable to have children. We talked about this several months ago in one of our series about John and his father, Zechariah, and how Zechariah saw an angel. And the angel told Zechariah that he was going to have a son who would prepare the way. This is a fulfillment of prophecy. This was something that was unexpected in their family. And, and let me tell you, John was an unexpected candidate for this position. In your notes, if you're taking them, expect to encounter God in the unexpected. Expect to encounter God in the unexpected. Has anybody ever had something unexpected happen to you? Okay, some of you, you're just afraid to put your hand up because you're like, I don't know what's coming next, right? It's like we have things that happen in our life that are unexpected. And, and when, when they come, sometimes they can catch us off guard. They can send us into a spiral, but we can expect to encounter God in the unexpected. Nothing that we face in our life, no unexpected thing that we come across in our life ever catches God off guard. See, he is there. God is in 
the unexpected. God is there. God is in the quiet times, but he's also in the loud times. God is in the times of calm, but he's also in the crazy times as well. And we can expect to encounter him. We can expect to experience God even in the most difficult aspects of our journey, even in the times that catch us off guard, even when we face things that we were totally unprepared for, God was prepared and he is there in the middle of those situations. So here is John, and John's life was a fulfillment of prophecy. The prophet Malachi just spoke of a messenger preparing the way, they also said that he was going to be like Elijah returning and he was going to come and he was going to prepare the way of the Lord. We see another prophecy about John spoken about in the uh, book of Isaiah. Isaiah the prophet, again, this is long before Jesus was born, long before John was born. This is the prophet Isaiah from the Old Testament of the Bible, the first part of the Bible before Jesus comes on the scene, and it says this, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight the desert a highway for our God. It's his voice in the wilderness. Every valley shall be raised up, and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, and the rugged places as a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This voice calling from the wilderness, this voice calling to prepare the way of the Messiah, to prepare the way of Jesus Christ, our Lord and King, the long-expected Savior. But God called someone who was unexpected. God called someone unexpected. God called John. Now let me tell you something about John. If you know anything about John, you know he was not a normal guy. Right? He was not normal. He was not an average person. He was a rough and tough guy. He lived out in the wilderness. Some of you may have fantasized about you know, living in the wilderness, surviving. That's what he did. He was out in the wilderness, and, and he was a rough guy. He was a tough guy. He was a callous guy. He was strong. And people, though, people would have expected the Messiah to be announced from temples and palaces. That's what they expected to hear about the Messiah. They figured that the synagogue, the leaders of the synagogue would say, here comes the Messiah. They expected that, that this is where the Messiah would be announced. He would be announced by people of royal descent. He would be announced by heralds and messengers and, and, and people like that. They didn't expect that he would be announced from the wilderness by a crazy man. And that's exactly who God chose. God chose a crazy guy out in the wilderness to announce, to announce, to prepare the way of God's only son. It was predicted, yes, it was predicted, but it was unexpected. Like they knew there was a messenger coming. They knew someone would come to prepare the way. They knew this voice would come, but they didn't expect it to come from the wilderness. They didn't expect it to come from this person. This wasn't who people expected. He's in the desert. He's wearing camel's hair clothing that he probably made himself. He's eating locusts, which are giant insects, and wild honey. This guy was hardcore. He's living there. He's at the peak of unexpectedness. He's just out there, and he's living, and, and, and he's calling people to come and turn their lives around. He's baptizing people. This was not expected. This is not what anybody thought. People have been studying prophecy for centuries, 
expecting the coming Savior, the coming Messiah. They were expecting this messenger to come, but John did not come in the way that they were thinking, did not come in the form that they were expecting. See in your notes, God often speaks through the unexpected. God often speaks through the unexpected. God often speaks to us, not only by the unexpected, but in unexpected ways. He may speak to you by someone different, someone that you were not expecting him to speak to you through. Maybe he might speak to you from somebody who has a crazy past. Maybe God uses you, and maybe you say, my life is too messed up. How could God use me? I'm not someone who is polished. I'm not someone who's perfect. I'm not someone who has it all together. We can take heart knowing that God will speak through. God will use the unexpected. He will use people that are not perfect, people like me, people like you, people who don't have it all figured out and don't have it all together. He's not calling the prim and the proper and the educated. Yes, he will use them as well, but he calls people like us. He calls people who are, who are broken and hurting. God uses everyone who turns their life over to him, who allows him to use them. God will often use the unexpected. God will speak through the unexpected and in unexpected ways. He spoke to Moses through a bush that was on fire. He spoke to, to Balaam through a donkey. He speaks to people in unexpected ways, and now he's preparing the way for the coming Messiah through a wild man from the wilderness. This is reflected again in the book of Matthew. Now we're in the New Testament. Matthew is one of Jesus' closest followers. He had previously been a tax collector, became one of the disciples of Jesus, followed him around, and now he's writing his account of the things that happen in Jesus' life, but also in John's life. And it says here in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, it says, In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness, and he began preaching. Here's John the Baptist. He's out in the wilderness. He's not coming to the public squares. He's not going into the synagogue. He's not renting out a big coliseum or a theater. No, he's out in the wilderness, and he's preaching the message, and this is what his message was. Repent of your sins and turn to God. Repent and turn. You're going this way? Repent. Turn around and come to God. That's what his message was. Repent and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. It's closer than it ever has been before. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said this. When he said, here is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. We just read this a moment ago. The prophecy from Isaiah. And now we see the fulfillment. The fulfillment of a crazy man, a wild man in the wilderness. And he's preaching to repent. He's re preaching to turn from your sins and turn and follow God. His message was simple, but it was radical. He's saying repent, which is to stop and turn around. Change your ways. Move the other direction. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Turn to God. See, he was encouraging real transformation. You know, a lot of people talk about transformation. They talk about how they value transformation. But real transformation is visible. Like, you can notice real transformation. If somebody is transforming their life and their behavior and their diet and their habits and even transforming their relationship with God, it's visible. It's not just words. Talk is cheap. We can talk about transformation all day long, but God is calling us to live a transformed life. John was calling people to repentance. He wasn't just calling them to say they're sorry. He was calling them 
to a life of transformation, a life where, where God will begin to do the work that only he can do. He was calling them to turn around, to turn from their old ways, their evil past, and follow this Messiah who they did not know who he was yet. Now, John had some ideas, but they did not know. But he's saying, be ready because he's coming. Be ready. Be ready. Complete change of heart and mind is what he was encouraging people because, see, in your notes, true change begins with a U-turn. You ever do a U-turn before? You're driving down the road, you know, and, and you weren't paying attention, and Siri said to turn left, but you ignored what she said, right? Because that's what we need is that somebody else telling us what to do with our life. And she says turn, and you didn't turn. So what is it? She said, okay, it's time to take a U-turn. Like, don't keep going down this path. It's time for you to stop and turn around and go back the direction that you are to go. See, this is a true change, a true transformation. It's talking about a, a changed heart. Do we have that changed heart? See, God's preparation precedes his provision. Let me say that again. God's preparation precedes his provision. We all come to God and we want him to provide for us. These people were expecting God to provide a Messiah. Maybe you're expecting God to provide something else in your life, right? But God will prepare us before he provides for us. In your notes, God prepares before he provides. He's preparing the soil before he plants the seed. He's preparing the soil and planting the seed before it grows and it begins to yield uh, produce and a crop. He's preparing your life. See, God will often use situations. God will often use the unpredictable in your life to bring preparation for the promise, to bring preparation for the provision that he has for you. Are you waiting for something in your life? Are you waiting for something from God? Maybe you're expecting God for something. Maybe you're expecting him for loved ones to come closer to God. Maybe you're expecting him for, uh, to, to, to move in a supernatural way. Maybe you're expecting a, a healing or a breakthrough or freedom from an addiction. You're expecting something. And when we're expecting things from God, we need to allow him to do the prep work first. We need to allow him to do the prep work. Have you ever had a project that required a lot of prep work? You know, that prep work often makes the job go a whole lot easier, right? Like if you're painting a room, there's a lot of prep work that goes in. Maybe you have to move furniture out. You have to tape things off. You have to go in. You have to do a lot of prep work. The actual job may not take a lot of time, but it's the prep work. If you're building a home, what's the first thing you do before you build a home? You don't just start erecting a structure. You have to dig a hole in the ground, and you pour a foundation. You have to do the prep work. And even before that, you have to have plans and drawings and all of these things Maybe you're waiting for the promise, you're waiting for the provision, but God is still doing the prep work. See, that's what John the Baptist was. He was preparing the way. And it was an unexpected person. And sometimes the prep work that God is doing in your life is unexpected. It's the things that you weren't ex expecting. It's the problem that you're facing. It's the layoff. It's these things that you're going through. And these are unexpected, but God is using that to do the preparation. God is working we now, in the Israelites, he's working to prepare their hearts, to prepare them for the Messiah, to prepare them for salvation, and God sends John the Baptist. He sends John there. Now, God may also use you in the same way. Yes, we're talking about how God needs to prepare our own lives before he brings the provision and the promise, but God may be using you to help to prepare someone else as well. 
by opening up your mouth. Say, well, I'm not qualified. I'm not skilled enough. Don't, don't discredit what the Holy Spirit can do through you. He's an all-powerful God. And when we come to him with willingness, he brings some supernatural into our natural, and he accomplishes amazing things. He wants to, to prepare other people and he may use us to prepare the way, to prepare hearts, to not point people to us, but to point them to Jesus. Now John, as he's living his life, as he's doing what he's doing, he could have easily pointed people to himself. He had a huge following, after all. He had his own disciples. He had crowds of people who were coming out to listen to him, to be baptized. In fact, it almost became trendy to become baptized by John the Baptist. And so he has this huge following, and everyone was coming to see him. I mean, tax collectors who were the worst of the worst, they were coming to see him. But not only people like that, leaders were coming. Like the scribes and the Pharisees, they were coming to see him. Even the Roman soldiers were coming out, making these journeys into the wilderness to hear this wild man from the wilderness preaching for us to turn, to repent, to turn from our sin and follow God. He could have pointed the finger at himself. He could have made his own following, but instead, John chose to walk in humility. He chose to walk in humility. He chose not to receive the praise from people, but to deflect it back to God. He said, no, it's not about me. It's about God. In fact, we see this here clearly in Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, verse 15, it says this. It says, everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon. And they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. Right now, now's John's chance. If he wants to take the, the credit, if he wants to take the limelight, everybody's saying, man, John, you really look like the Messiah. For many of us, when people come around, they start saying things like that. You know what? Maybe I am the Messiah after all. Maybe I'm not just a forerunner. Maybe I am the main attraction. Th these thoughts could have been going through his mind. We don't know for sure. But everyone was expecting the Messiah to come, and they're eager to know, John, are you the Messiah? But John answered these questions. Look what he says by saying this. I baptize you with water. But someone is coming who is greater than I am. Do we ever say stuff like that to people? Maybe you're at work and, and you're working on a project and, and, and somebody says, wow, you're doing a great job. You're like, you know what? I do a good job, but you should see how good of a job they do, right? Like, we don't do that. We just receive it. We're like, okay, yeah, I am great, but not John. He's saying, you know what? I baptize with water, but someone is coming who's greater than I am. So much greater, in fact, that I'm not even worthy to be his slave. I can't even untie the straps of his sandals. And he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's saying, you look up to me, you revere me, you think I'm a man of God. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. He could have claimed that he was great. Yet, he decided to point the way to someone who is even greater. This was unexpected. It's expected for him to take the credit. It's expected for him to build the following. It's expected for him to attract all of the attention. It's expected for him to have the newspaper articles and to go on the TV shows and all that stuff and do all the interviews. And everyone's like, wow, John, you're so good. But he didn't take the credit. See, we tend to take the credit sometimes. In fact, sometimes we even take the credit for what God does through us. 
Maybe you help somebody in need, you do something, and we can tend to take the credit, but not John. He deflected it, he put it back to God. Even later on in his life, when people were challenging him, saying, what do you think about this? You've lost all your followers, everybody's following Jesus, and they're not following you anymore. If you remember what John said, he said, he, Jesus, must increase, and yet I must decrease. Jesus must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Man, what an act of humility that must have been for him to not take the credit, not take the, the, the praise and the acclaim. See, he was walking in humility. We often want to lift up our own name, but John was lifting up the name of Jesus. He was pointing the way to Jesus. See, in God's kingdom, this is how it works. In your notes, humility comes before honor. So often we want to experience honor. We want to experience recognition. We want to be, be, be a leader. But here in God's kingdom, we start by being humble. Scripture says that if you want to be great in God's kingdom, who wants to be great in God's kingdom? I want to be great in God's kingdom. Okay, five of you want to be great in God's kingdom. The rest of you, I don't know what you want, but I want to be great in God's kingdom, okay? I want to be great. I want to be great in God's kingdom. And you know how you become great in God's kingdom? By being the servant of all. By saying, I, I'm going to consider you as better than me. In other translations say, by being the slave of all. And here's John saying, you know what? I want to be great in God's kingdom, but I'm not even worthy to untie the shoes, to untie his sandals. I'm not even worthy for that. You've got to be a, be a servant. It says in Proverbs 11.2, it says, Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Pride leads to disgrace. If there's one thing that God hates is pride. And, and also, the, here's the problem with pride. Pride is the hardest sin for us to self-diagnose. Because we look at our lives and say, I'm not, that, I'm not proud. You know what? I'm actually pretty humble. In fact, what's everybody else's problem? They're the ones that are dealing with pride. I'm not proud. I'm the humblest person I know. It's like, hold on, really now? Tell us more about how great you are with your humility. Right? It's like, like we, we deceive ourselves. We think that we're so humble, and yet we're full of pride. We're full of arrogance. If there's one thing that God hates, it's pride. He says that he resists the proud. He holds them at arm's length. He pushes them away. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What are we walking in? Are we walking in pride or are we walking in humility? See, John, John could have claimed the spotlight, but instead he pointed it towards Jesus. He didn't take the spotlight. He didn't take the applause and the acclaim. He pointed it to Jesus. He knew that his role was to prepare the way. He knew he was there to prepare the way and he was not the main story. He was not the main event. He was not the main attraction. Maybe you go to a concert and at the concert, you know, you, you're going there to see a band. You're so excited. But before the band comes out, another band comes out and you don't know who these guys are, right? Like, I don't know who you are. I came for another band. And they're like, yeah, but we're here to, to get you ready. And they don't usually sound that great either. And I'm convinced they do that because that makes the next band sound even that much better, right? And so they're there, and they play, and they're kind of warming up the crowd. Maybe you go to a comedy show. It's the same thing. And they're, they're warming you up. So then when the main event comes, but John, he was just simply there preparing the way. He was the opening act, and he knew that Jesus was the main event. He knew that Jesus was the one who was coming, who was the Messiah, the King, the Savior of the world. So he's pointing it to Jesus. He chose humility over fame. He said he wasn't even worthy to untie the sandals of Jesus' feet. He says, I'm not even worthy to do, this is the lowliest job 
that a servant could have was to take off the, the shoes of the guests and to wash their feet. And John saying, I'm not even worthy to do that. He didn't even want to baptize Jesus. And Jesus is like, I want you to baptize me. And, and here's John like, I can't do that. He's like disobeying the Son of God. He's like, no, 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 you should baptize me. And Jesus is like, nope, this is what you got to do. And in humility, John did what it was asked of him. But see, this is humility in action. Recognizing that it's not about us, but it's about something or someone who is greater. See, God has given us gifts and talents, and God wants to use you. But it's not for your glory, and it's not for my glory. It's for the glory of our Messiah, Jesus Christ our Lord. In your notes, the unpredictable things invite us to trust God more. Let's unpack that a little bit. The, the unpredictable things, when you go through things in life that are unpredictable, it invites us, it encourages us to trust God even more than ever before. Um, my wife and I, this past week, we took our kids uh, uh, away for overnight, and we wanted to do some hiking for my daughter's birthday, so we're out there. We're getting ready to, to do hiking. We get there the, the day before. We go out to eat. We're having a great time. And we come out from the restaurant. It's dark. We're, we're, we're in New Hampshire. We come out, and, uh, and I go to crank up my car, and it doesn't crank. I'm like, okay. This is unexpected, right? Um, it doesn't crank. And I'm like, okay, well, I probably just need to jump start the car. So somebody came by. And they're like, hey, you need to jump. I'm like, yes, absolutely. Thank you. And they're trying to jump. They're trying to jump. And, and we just can't get it. it. It won't start. It just won't start. I'm like, what's going on? Like, I, I can't get this thing to start. And now I'm like, now what do I do? Like, this is unexpected. This is unpredictable. This is a situation I wasn't prepared for. So I call AAA. They're like, yeah, we got somebody an hour away. And then the guy calls me. He's like, well, what do you want to do? Uh, he's like, you know, we can, we can tow it to the place, and maybe they can fix it. I'm like, I don't know. Like, we're in the middle of a parking lot right now. I don't even know how to get my family to a hotel right now. He's like, well, I don't know. Like, maybe you can call an Uber or something. And so I'm like, I don't know what to do in this situation. I call my friend. He's like, you know what? It's probably not the battery. It's probably your starter. He's like, maybe you can bang on it a little bit. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I can barely put gas in my car, okay? And, and you want me to do this? And, and so I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, another guy pulls up. He gets out. He says, and, and I have a, I have a Chevy Suburban. He gets out. And he says, hey, I'm a Chevy mechanic. Can I help you? I'm like, yes, you absolutely can. So he gets out. He's like, here. He comes out with, with, with his tools. He's got his tools, like, right there. And he's like, let me get under here. I'm going to bang on this thing a little bit. We're going to see if we can get this cranked up for you. He's banging, doing whatever he's doing, or whatever magic and voodoo he's doing underneath there. And I'm just praying the whole time. I'm like, God, help this get started. And boom, it cranks up. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. He's like, you know, I work at a Chevy dealer. He's like, but we have a sister Chevy dealer. He's like, right nearby. He's like, where are you staying at? I'm like, I'm staying at the Best Western. He's like, it's across the street from the Best Western. I'm like, okay. He's like, go drop your family off and take the car there, and, and they'll get it fixed for you in the morning. I'm like, what? Are you serious? He's like, yeah, just do this. So I did. I brought it there. Next morning, I go in there. I never get things fixed fast. If you ever take your car somewhere, like, nobody fixes things fast. They go, and I'm like, can you fix this? She's like, yeah, we'll have it done in an hour for you. I'm like, what? Like, this is amazing. Now, now the whole time, my daughter, who is her birthday, she's like, I want an adventure this week. I'm like, well, you're getting an adventure now. Like, it's not the kind of adventure that we wanted. It's an unexpected adventure. It's something that makes memories. I say all this to say that, that God works through the unexpected things in our life. He works through these things. See, we, and when we're going through these unpredictable things, it allows us to trust God more. In those situations, I don't know what to do next. I'm like, I literally don't know what to do next. And yet, it allows us to trust God. We pray, we ask God for wisdom, ask God for guidance, and he worked it out in, a, in an amazing way, a way that I couldn't have even planned for. But when we go through these unexpected, unpredictable times, it allows us to lean on him 
to trust him. So as we now step into this season that we're in, let us prepare our hearts. How do we prepare our hearts? By embracing humility, by looking for the real change and transformation, and by being open to finding God in the unexpected things. Are we open to the unexpected things that God may do in our life to reveal himself to us, to prepare our hearts? The unexpected things might not be things that you're looking for or even wanting, but God is using them nonetheless. It was unexpected for God to use John the Baptist in this way. It was unexpected, and it may be unexpected what God uses in your life. It may be unexpected how God uses a sickness in your life. It may be unexpected how God uses job loss in your life. It may be unexpected how God uses barrenness in your life. It may be unexpected how God uses failing out of school in your life. It may be unexpected how God uses a breakup in your life. It may be unexpected how God uses anxiety in your life. It may be unexpected how God uses loneliness in your life. He may use something unlikely. He may use something that you don't like, but he's working in you and he's working, preparing the way, preparing to provide, preparing for the promise that he has for you. John was unexpected. He was not refined. He was not something or someone who is ideal, not the most qualified, certainly not the most dignified, but he was God's choice. And maybe you are God's unexpected choice as well to point the way, to prepare the way for someone else. See, when you have the anointing of God on your life, it doesn't matter how qualified you are. God will always use unconventional means to accomplish his great task here on this earth. And he's inviting us into that. And maybe, just maybe, if we are open and willing, he will also use us. Let's pray. God, we come to you now, and we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your favor. And we thank you for the unexpected things that we face. Yeah, maybe we didn't feel ready for it. Maybe it causes us a little bit of anxiety, but we thank you for the unexpected because we know that you are never caught off guard. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord, he's inviting you into his family. He's inviting you now the Bible says that anyone who calls on his name will be saved. If you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, you say with your mouth, Jesus, you're my Lord. And man, you are in God's family. So if you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, won't you call on his name now and say, Jesus, you are my Lord and I choose to follow you. The unexpected king. God, we thank you for the unexpected situations in our life. And Lord, whatever situation that we're going through right now, whatever difficulty, whatever hardship, whatever storm, whatever uh, tragedy that we're facing, whatever sickness, whatever addiction, whatever bondage, whatever past, whatever shame, whatever anxiety, whatever fear, whatever phobia that we have, Lord, we just trust you that you are working in the unexpected, that you are there in the middle of the unexpected. You are preparing us and you are preparing to use us as well. So let us be people that you can use. Let us be people like John the Baptist, maybe unexpected, but people who prepares the way for Jesus, that prepares the way for you to bring transformation and healing in other people's lives. Let us walk each day in humility and transformation that only you can bring. Let us turn from our past and choose to follow you. And we thank you. We praise you for these unexpected things. In Jesus' name, amen.